Hello and welcome to another episode of the Global Skiing Podcast. My name's Tom and today I've got Andrew Ray from the APSI, the uh, General Manager and National Training Director um, for the APSI on board. So Andy, welcome to the show. Hey Tom, how are you? Good, thanks mate. Um, so I just uh, wanted to start out first by um, if you could go through maybe a bit of um, your list of credentials uh, first, like your background in, in ski instructing and um, who inspired you to sort of take on this career? Okay. Um, I grew up in the snow, uh, up in Perisher all my life and um, actually my brother was a ski instructor before I started and um, my plan was not really to go into ski instructing but uh, when I did eventually end up there, um, obviously uh, from a background of skiing and a love of skiing, that's what got me in there first of all and and then a love of hanging out with people was what kept me in there um, mm-hmm. and, and that was almost 25 years ago now, uh, not far off it when I started teaching skiing yep. and I did that in Perisher and then I became a trainer for the APSI fairly early on in my career and um, I think I've been training for the APSI for 20 years now and um, training with training and being a trainer was was part of what I always wanted to do um, you know it's unusual to say that I know but uh, as much as I love instructing I always wanted to be involved in 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 helping people do the job and uh, yeah. so so it was part of my aim and goal to get there and so once I became a trainer I just kept working my way up through the system the levels and then onto the training levels and then uh, eventually had the opportunity to take on Alpine Technical Director in the APSI, um, which I did for a few years, and then my role evolved as it became a full-time job with the APSI until eventually I was uh, general manager. Okay. And so, what are your what are your current roles and responsibilities as the general manager? Okay, it's a little bit tricky in some ways. Um, it's a it's a very fluid role. Because the APSI being a small association, we only have two um, kind of full-time employees, myself and Lexi, who works in the administration of the office. And so therefore, me answering to a board, and it's a board of volunteers, um, my role is very diverse, and and hence the name general manager. Mm -hmm. I look after all of the the business side, as well as um, helping the direction that the technical directors take in each of their disciplines so that we can further improve the products and and the job we do with instructors out on the hill. I guess now would probably be a good time to maybe uh, bring up like, so for those who don't know, the APSI stands for the Australian Professional Snow Sports Instructors Association. How how big are we, Andy? How many members have we got um, currently? We hover just under a thousand members uh, or probably hitting a thousand members yearly yeah uh, you know we have obviously a great mailing list of people over the time but ski instructing is a fairly uh, in and out sort of a job people don't all stay forever so you get a lot of turnover so we generally hover at about a thousand members yeah okay and how does like that's pretty different compared to something like the CSIA or the PSIA isn't it I mean do you yeah, know? CSIA do you know? has around thirty thousand members at least. Yeah. 
Um, so we're 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 a completely <laughs> different kettle of fish. Yeah. You know, I talk to people in roles of similar roles overseas, and and PSIA they have other than you know boards for each of their divisions, but they have full time employees that are, they have a marketing employee, they have a sponsorship employee, they have all these things. Whereas in our small association, I have to put on a hat. <laughs> yeah, for all those. Yeah. Exactly, and <laughs> and then. Um, it, it's through the love and volunteers of the members and the trainers that want to improve our association that help us keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So um, we've just come back from an inter-ski event in September. So, um, yeah, how was your, what were your impressions of this particular inter-ski? Because you've been to quite a few. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm one of those very lucky ones that I've, I have been to a few. Um, I think I've hit my fifth inter-ski now. And uh, this, this one, that, I mean, first of all, they're all different. They, are, they all, um, you look at them differently depending on how many you've been to, I think. And also they're just, they're different because of the country they're in. You get a little bit of that aspect and how they're trying to run them or present different information at the event. And mm-hmm. This particular industry, I enjoy it a lot. I mean, Argentina was a was a very different country. It's a very laid back country, which which made the organisation and the speed of things a little slower than what I've seen in the past. But it also made the experience really interesting. Um, industry itself, uh, there was there's always highlights you have in in either particular skiers or or how teams perform or just their ability to handle tougher snow conditions as we did have in Argentina, things like that. Um, but probably for me, uh, a bit of a highlight um, was unusually when we went to this ski, we had time to spare in the afternoons, which at first from a, a coach's point of view, I thought this is going to be an absolute waste of the team's time. We're going to be twiddling our thumbs and waiting to catch a bus, which we had to do to get back to the town. Mm-hmm. And Two, two to three hours spare in the afternoon and um, what happened was many of the team members just basically found someone from another team to ski with and um, share their experiences and their knowledge and have a bit of a chat and got to do that with a few people but um, I met a bloke named Freddie from Canada and um, it was a really just a, an enjoyable experience to to ski with someone that you've not met before and just have a chat on a on a more on a personal level yeah. rather than being in the, the strict confines of, of the inter-ski um, presentation as such. So that to me was, was really good and uh, more relaxed than normal. Yeah, so that, that opportunity perhaps didn't present itself as much at other inter-skis, you'd say? No, I don't think so. And, and I think it was a, a result of basically this spare time. You know, at first that seemed bad, but it ended up, you know, yeah, ended up working in the in in our favour. I think also I don't know if you'd agree with this, but the fact like where where we were located, like no one was staying up at the resort. We every every country, every person that wanted to go to the event had to travel half an hour in a bus up there, and you were kind of captive in this. You know, it wasn't a huge resort, and there was one base area, so it kind of forced people to mingle a bit more. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think having that is is sometimes a good thing. Um, one of my first inter skis, I went to, I went to Norway, and it was a very small ski resort, 
and everyone stayed in a very small town and um, similar wasn't so much on the snow but in in the evenings you basically stumbling over each other um, yeah. and the other teams and and that really gave a chance to interact as well yeah um, so I, I thought that was good yeah so were there um, any particular uh, presentations or countries that stood out to you at this inter-ski event? Um, I think for me, it's again being you know further down the track in my inter-ski experiences. Um, I find that you don't necessarily go, well, this this team is so exceptional. It's more um, you start to notice individuals, mm-hmm. and there were certainly some. Um, very strong individuals in in the form of some of the the Europeans um, you know you, um, you may not think the team itself or their presentation but some of the skiing was definitely inspirational from some of the individuals and because there was a race component um, watching some 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 actual races that that you know that, that that's what they do for for a job mm-hmm. um, the comparison of how they could race to to instructors who, who should be the best instructors in the world it was heads and shoulders above so mm-hmm. that that I found very good um, I definitely enjoyed uh, watching certain teams Canada did you know skied well as a group uh, um, both Japan and 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 Korea I've watched in their progression through interskis, and that was interesting. Um, but because we're a small country, you can only attend so many different teams, and, yeah. and I kept my focus on the Southern Hemisphere. And so I, I went to New Zealand, Chile, and Argentina, and um, found it probably the thing that I found most interesting is where countries from the Southern Hemisphere that don't necessarily keep in contact very often particularly about what we're doing, our technique or our philosophy. But when I was there, both Argentina and Chile were very, very similar in what they were talking about. Different words, same concept. And interestingly, Australia and New Zealand's theme at Interski was very, very similar um, in what we were presenting. And that 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 was kind of like, wow, there's a surprise. wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, some across-the-board similarities there. Okay, and so then looking back at all of the inter-ski events you've been to, is there one moment that you think sticks out in your mind? Probably two. Um, your first inter-ski you go to, I think you are just, it's mind-blowing. You, you know, I was a very young guy, very new to instructing and particularly to uh, training. And you just go along and you know you're, you're not very high up on the list of, of, of importance or, or, or great skill or anything like that. And everybody looks exceptional. So yeah. I, I think your first inter-ski is quite mind-blowing. Um, and then um, as I took on this role, you start to, to look for different things. You know, I'm looking for things that will help the APSI become a better association. And... Um, that's when certain lectures stood in my head as being really interesting and that sort of stuff. And um, I had had a very good experience uh, with a Swedish lecture on their teaching philosophy. And this was this was a long time ago, but it helped for me um, evolve where I thought teaching should go in Australia. 
Um, and so that it stands out in my mind as, hey, that's a, I don't know if it's a turning point, but it's a, we need to clarify what we're doing mm-hmm. and help from their, uh, their lecture allowed me to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, further on, it becomes more, more business orientated. Yeah. About the APSI business. So yeah. in Austria, the Canadians did a really interesting lecture on the, the, uh, the de-socialization of the North American ski industry, which in its name is, is a mouthful. Um, but it was it was very interesting just looking at the business as a whole and the model of the business and where we're going. And, uh, you know, and I think that's because I myself am evolving as I'm going through the industries and I'm evolving in what I'm looking for. Um, so it, it goes from mind-blowing skiing to, no, I'm actually more specifically after something to help help my role or my business or my interaction with, with other other people from other associations with a similar job, who you don't normally get to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, on that uh, topic of the Swedish lecture, um, I was going to say, uh, like from training with you over the years, I think I've gained the most in terms of your knowledge and your style and approach to the actual instruction part. So the, the delivery and, and the method and the manner in which you do it. And I think you've got a really, a really excellent approach to teaching. So would, you, would there be a couple of key points you think work really well? Because you, you're obviously training a lot of instructors. Are there, are there certain key points you try and get across to them about how to deliver a message, a, a progression, whatever it is? you know, really, really well? I would say it's, you know, I don't know. Personally, I, I, I love spending time with people and I love helping them improve. So I must have an inherent want to do that and that probably helps. Um, but I, I try to pass on the experiences I've gained from all the people that have influenced me along the time. And, you know, one individual may not have gone, hey, this is what I do, but you're going along in your your learning and you go, I like what this person does or I like how this person explains it or I like this person's use of different exercises and it's collecting all of that. And what I try to do is do my best to go, hey, after 20 odd years, this is what I've learned through experience and I'm trying to teach an instructor who, let's face it, hasn't got a lot of experience and they've they got things to read, they're getting training from trainers, but I'm trying to give them, hey, here's what experience has taught me, here's what works when you interact with a guest, here's what doesn't work and, and here's how I use it or play with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just your your general you're collecting and delivering on your general experiences that you've had over these twenty five years of of dealing with people on snow. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and yeah. and and not just my personal experience. It's it's very much um, experiences that I've gained myself through other people. So people who have influenced me, and 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 I'll generally take what I like from people in the industry here in Australia 
to people I meet in at Indusky or, or presentations or lectures I go to, and I take what I like, but then I evolve it to suit suit my personality and the way mm-hmm. I would do it. Yeah. Or, or to suit Australia's teaching system, if you will. Sure. So then where would you see, say if we took an example of you going back and thinking about maybe the last level four exam, would there be a theme in where you find people that don't meet the standard of teaching, where they where they kind of trip up? Is there a, a similar area? Are they trying to just regurgitate words? Are they like where do you see that you know it would be great if you had that extra day of training or whatever with them just on teaching? What would you what advice or what would you get them to focus on? Probably, um, you know, it's not so much that they are doing this. I think again, it's it's generally you're going through your levels. You have less experience, so you've had less time to to test things to see whether they work or not. Now, this this is certainly what I would not suggest doing. Okay, <laughs> but I, I had a friend when I was learning, who he was learning to be an instructor. Same time we were going through the system together. And he was renowned for going, okay, I'm going to choose this exercise. doesn't matter what it was. It could be yeah. a, a stalk turn where you lift up one leg, the inside one, go around yeah. the corner. And he goes, I'm going to do stalk turns with every guest I ski with this week. And it doesn't matter what level they are or who they are or what they need to learn. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's not meeting the guest needs. It's not, um, you know, teaching them necessarily what they need. Yeah. But he as an instructor learned an awful lot by doing an exercise or a type of turn with guests and working out what works for one guest, what works doesn't work for another guest. And he did it through, you know, default or through making mistakes. Probably, hence, I don't suggest doing it because it's not good for the guest. Yeah. So when you're becoming an instructor, it's absolutely crucial that you practice and try the ideas. Now, better than doing it with your guests is to do your practice teaching and spend time learning what can go wrong, how it feels when it goes wrong, and what do you do to make it better. And, yeah. you know, hence, when we train our, our teaching, we use a bit of time where we look at the common problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my greatest advice is to help me with movement analysis, I had to try the mistake to feel it. So yeah. I could go, all right, well, if I turn my body instead of my legs, what does it feel like? But more importantly, what happens to my skis? What's the result of that? How does the performance get affected? Understand the mistake, and that's by trying it, trial yeah. and error, if you will. And then what are some ways to fix it? And actually try the, the exercise or the fix with the mistake to see how it, how it changes your skiing. And mm-hmm. that is kind of like making yourself gain experience yeah yeah so for instance that if you were if you felt you tried to rotate your body in a turn you felt all the things that went on and then you chose an exercise that that is supposed to help that but you still tried to almost do the rotation but if but see how effective the exercise is at blocking that or or kind of putting something over the top so you can't really do it and you feel a different sensation 
exactly like yeah. you will have you know people will say to me in their training oh you know okay i can see that you're rotating this is our example we're using at the moment mm-hmm. um, here's an exercise that works well to stop it and i'm sitting there thinking no i don't know if it's the best exercise i can think of a better one let me make that mistake trying your exercise yeah and if i can still make the mistake easily using yeah. your exercise perhaps it's not the best one to address the problem and yes and and they're things that I have done and, and I think people should try, instructors learning, um, to help clarify it in their head. It's not a matter of you don't get it or they're regurgitating necessarily. It's just they haven't perhaps taught that turn enough times and, and, and given it a go to see what would go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this helps them expand their experience and then, then their knowledge and then more importantly their understanding so that it becomes easier to 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 help a skier get better, um, which is really a major part of what we do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excellent. Um, okay, so w- being a director, general manager, director of training, where would you like to see the association uh, in, say, 10 years' time? It's a tricky one. Um, we talk about that a little bit and probably should talk about it more as a, a board um, because it, it is a group of people that help make that decision. My, my role is really more to implement it and keep the day-to-day running happening. But obviously, in my mind, um, you know, I'm, I'm striving for us as a small association um, with only small members, number of members, and hence small revenue, ability to do things is, is on a smaller scale budget wise etc cetera, etc cetera. so my aim is that we can just keep producing the best instructors we can with the the tools we have available to us and and keep looking at ways we can we can expand and achieve that um, within reason um, you know so whether that's increase our size increase our membership increase the products we provide or increase funding from a different way so that we can just uh, give a much, you know, basically a better product uh, for the people who are doing it um, is, is, I would say, the, the immediate to heading towards the 10-year goal. And then, you know, in 10 years, that, that, that size of that will depend on mm-hmm. how much that is achieved along the way. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, so the the this current demo teams term is is coming up and wrapping up and there's a new demo team selection tryouts and I think you might have seen it on Facebook the PSIA just had their selection process um, any words of advice like what you'd what you're looking for in a demo team member or someone going up to, you know with aspirations to be there um, that perhaps you know you need on top of just being a, a full cert instructor. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, this this will be our year for selection in Australia as well this year, and the the, the working out of some of those questions you've just asked, <laughs> we're in the process of doing now. How how and when the selection is going to happen, what's expected, um, that sort of thing. But you know. I suppose I can look back on what I've done and tell you what I've looked for in the past um, to help answer that. And, and first things first is 
you should aspire for the demo team no matter what level you are. It shouldn't be level four. Uh, my first team I tried out for, I didn't even have my level one. It was my first <laughs> year teaching. Of course, you're not going to become a demo team member, but you know, I was involved with skiing with my brother who was already on the team and he just kind of went, hey, I'm going to the selection this weekend. You should come along. And my response was, oh, so that's something we do, is it? Yeah, of course it is. So <laughs> I went and did it. Um, but as I've moved along, I realized that the demo team is the pinnacle of the instructing career, especially if you get involved in training, you know, and uh, involved in the direction of the APSI. There's not much higher you can go for. So everyone should be thinking about it, especially if in the back of your mind somewhere you're, hey, I'd like to stay in this industry. I'd like to follow on with my levels and become a trainer or whatever. Um, but you're going to an international stage to represent not only your country, but particularly your association. So you want to be skiing of the highest caliber possible and skiing obviously within, I suppose, an understanding of the Australian philosophy of how, how we think good skiing is. Um, and you want to be a bit more than that, though. I mean, I, I would say the skiing part is your first step because uh, you, you're most likely going to demonstrate on the hill, and if we put someone out there that's not skiing at their strongest, then that defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. Our team is generally not very large, so out of your your numbers, you want to put the strongest ones out. But you've got to be also someone who can uh, present what the APSI is doing and believing in on a teaching aspect. So it's not just a presentation skills I'm getting at. Can you speak in front of a group? It's not just, are you a great teacher? It's, can you tell someone from another country, hey, this is what we do in Australia, and this is why we do it, and these are our beliefs behind it. And, you know, that obviously, that whole concept of what that is evolves with the team and with the association and its, its, its direction over time. But it's an ability to be able to do that, I think, is very important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. I think that's some good, solid information because I've had a few people ask me about that and suggest ideas perhaps and it's not it's not um what you're not looking for someone to come up with reinventing the wheel on you know with their presentation or skiing or whatever you're just looking for someone that's a good representation demonstration of the the apsi system exactly if if we're all skiing forwards and you try out for the team and you think skiing backwards is the way to go <laughs> it doesn't fit as well yeah so yeah. that's your starting point but what we present always evolves from the team itself. The team itself gets together with it, their beliefs and, and what they think is happening and their direction, combined with, obviously, where the technical directors are heading with their own disciplines, and we get there. Yep, yep. Now, uh, okay, so excellent. Uh, I wanted to ask you... Um, what you are working on in your own skiing because there's got to be some time for you not just worrying about everyone else and what they're doing what's what's been your focus whether it's been in the last you know while you're over in japan or this last season um yeah just interested to hear your kind of areas of 
technical focus in your own skiing. I had a feeling you were going to ask this question. <laughs> and, you know, it's harder to go, hey, this is it straight off the bat when you're not in your ski boots yeah, standing on snow. You're sitting inside in an office in summer. <laughs> and, yes, obviously I did go skiing in Japan, but like anyone, it takes you a little bit of time to get your feet and feel good on your skis before you can even start really making changes. But... Um, I, I'm a big believer in everyone should be thinking about something or working on something to improve themselves as a skier, especially if you're um, in in this sort of a role or any sort of training role. You know, you're trying to tell other instructors how to ski better, how to teach better, how to present better. Then you should be trying to do the same thing, yep. uh, working on it all the time. And so in my skiing, sometimes I probably sit there and think, geez, what have I got to do to try and keep up with these young fellas? Um, that's that's definitely in the back of my head. Um, and and how do I ski in a way that's going to be like them? And sometimes maybe I'm going to not be able to do it always like that, um, you know. But I would say it's it's fairly simple stuff. I'm I'm focused on technically I'm focused on my transition and trying to move from turn to turn. And I'm trying to do it in a way that's um, efficient and and powerful so I can get onto a, an early edge uh, strongly. So if you imagine uh, a ski racer in your head, uh, how a ski racer moves uh, from turn to turn, um, that's a little bit in my head. But I'm also trying to do it so it doesn't disrupt my balance too much. Um, I, I have a tendency of moving... Uh, higher than I need to and therefore it affects my balance as I move across the skis so I have been in the past working on getting a little bit lower through the transition and what I'm trying to do is get that happy medium what is what is a perhaps a lower position that doesn't disrupt my balance but what is also uh, powerful and strong and is going to get me to a early effective edge so a combination of the two um, is is where the focus is, and and that transition then flows into what I'm thinking about in the turns and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that that would be main focus, and then small focus is just general things I see in my own skiing that are my own. Hey, that that's a habit I have that I've been trying to change, and they can be small things like arm position or or how my stance looks at a certain point in the turn something yeah. like that yeah um, so that that would be high end um but then the thing that i always try to do is i try to work on um low end skiing all skiing as well so i don't just go how can i ski the fastest yeah how can i ski the strongest what's the most dynamic turn because my job evo involves showing someone a snowplow turn one day and then uh, ripping a GS turn the next, yeah, yeah. next day. And so I've got to try and make sure I, I am practicing and doing as many of the different turns as possible. Mm -hmm. Help them in, help myself in my skiing and, and keep improving because you, you don't want to get stale. You don't want to get the same and not improve. And I certainly don't want to go backwards. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so we're in Japan. Were did you were you 
experimenting or you know like working on any particular things even in your de like parallel demonstrations any things like I'm just thinking of cues like because different people work on their skiing in different ways whether it's feelings or visuals that sort of thing is there can you give us an example of what you were perhaps cueing yourself with yeah uh, you know you you're very much right that everyone is different and and sometimes what I think of doesn't necessarily work for the next person so I, I am a quite visual I need to see a see someone so i get a little reminder and i was lucky over there paul's working over in japan riley had turned up over there so you get to see some some good strong team skiers that have come from our team to give me some a uh, little bit of inspiration if you will mm -hmm. remind me to slow down my movements or, or control the amount that i move when i am going through a transition because remember i've come from australia i'm all excited and yeah flying down the hill <laughs> not not you know necessarily move very well so that's the first step and then then for me i'm i'm very much a feeler and being a feeler it's quite difficult to explain what it feels like so i've i've captured a feeling that i have when i make a turn and I just simply try to recreate that feeling. And whether it's um, the feeling you have in the middle of the turn where you're balanced against the ski and you're trying to feel as though you're inside and the ski's holding against the snow to the outside and you really feel like you're in a strong balanced position or the feeling you gain as you move from turn to turn through the transition. The skis move across underneath you very quickly, but you don't lose control of that and you don't lose balance in other words they don't fly out underneath you and you end up in the back seat or you don't mm -hmm. fall inside because they've gone too far over and you're not getting onto the new outside ski so that it's digging in the snow but it's it's very much a feeling that i have had and i'm recreating yeah um i got a good um feeling in argentina uh, with all those skiers, the good skiers there, we were also working very hard on our skiing, very firm snow, mm -hmm. and um, just just an, a, a sensation at the end of the turn where right at the end, generally, you, you're letting go of the edge and you move across the ski. It was more of a, a sensation of almost pulling your feet back underneath you, mm -hmm. um, and, and it almost feels like the edge is increasing rather than decreasing which doesn't make a lot of sense yeah the way to explain it is like at the end of the turn you're still holding onto the snow with your edge yep and you pull that towards you and because the edge isn't going to slide uphill towards you yeah you're actually going to topple over the ski and move downhill and and it increases the speed or the way you move across the ski and and allows you to to move strongly and balanced and uh, mm -hmm. i'm playing around with a way that was explained to me over there from the um the the chilean team so, yeah um which i'm going to test out a little bit this season and and that sensation was really good so that feeling i was trying to recreate in japan yeah. however the snow is much softer yeah. So it's it's quite difficult to get that sensation. That yeah. that really works better where you can hold the snow. Yeah. And therefore, it has to be firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I guess in a maybe broken down way, you just really 
it's the same, probably might end up with the exact same movement pattern, but the way your brain thought about what was the thing that was moving most or where the movement initiated from perhaps changed from the center of your body to, to almost at your feet. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or almost which foot is moving. So rather yeah. than when am I standing on the new outside foot, what am I doing with the old outside foot before that happens? Yeah. There's um, things like that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I've been doing some reading into just uh, general movement training. So if you're trying to learn a new movement pattern or whatever, um, the more ways you can come at the movement from different angles. So like one example you talked about, the feet, thinking about the feet pulling back and the idea of the edges being on the snow and you're doing that rather than your center of mass kind of toppling over, that's that's just one variation. So like the more different variations, I guess, you can have of that same concept, the better and more adaptable you are going to be at that particular point in the turn. So, exactly. um, yeah, exactly. so that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, And I think that's why it, it um, stuck in my head from Argentina. I've been working on that simple... <laughs> releasing from the end of the turn and moving across the skis yep how you move across them the crossover the transition whatever you want to call it yeah and i've been working on that for quite a few years and to the point that one season i just spent the whole season trying to do it slowly yep you know um you know obviously trying to do it a little bit lower whatever the case may be but enough that is efficient enough that will work and going to Argentina there was other skiers that I got to ski with and follow there was our own team that I was trying to work very hard with and ski with and being visual I'm trying to copy what they're doing and then as I said I heard it heard it in a different way yeah from from another team and then I take those ideas and mold it to suit me and 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 it simply was the same movement the same thing nothing different just a looking at it at a different way has um, sparked that that excitement or, yeah. or, or or the light bulb moment that you need yeah. to make a change to your skiing. If you don't yeah. have that moment where something flicks on and you go, "Hey, that's that's different," um, then you're obviously just doing the same thing. You're not yeah, really changing. exactly, exactly. Insanity. um all right so um i guess the final thing andy was uh just talking about japan so japan has kind of grown been a new area for the apsi over the last um few years and it's getting bigger and bigger can you tell us how this has grown and how sort of i guess how busy it was this year compared to last year Uh, i think i've been going to japan for seven years I'm trying to work that out. Um, uh, it's seven or eight. It's somewhere in that range. And uh, the first year I went um, was to help with one of the schools there just to do um, one group of level ones, so a maximum of eight people. Um, this is just for the listeners. This is a level one instructor certification course. Exactly. And, yeah. and we have four levels and, and um, there's a couple of, schools in japan that are run by australians and they're taking uh, a lot of australians um, to their schools to work in the summer so that they get year-round work and uh, works great 
And these Australians um, are obviously wanting to continue with their qualifications as ski instructors, whether it's have another go at a part they've missed or take on the next level. And um, Japan, with this uh, large number of Australian instructors, has given us the opportunity to run further courses or retake exams so these people can further their qualifications, come back to Australia and, and, and continue on uh, in their resorts here. And um, it's gone from that, that first group of about eight to this year, we, we would have had at the level three, a couple more levels up, almost more numbers than we had do it in Victoria back here in Australia last winter. Wow. Um, and, you know, we ran three groups of level three, about four groups of level two and four groups of level one. So quite, quite a lot of people mm -hmm. um, going through the system and, and having a go of their uh, qualifications and getting further training um, using, using the trainers over there who are already working in Japan um, to help run these courses and they, they come in and do them. Um, and, and really it's a great opportunity for Aussies to continue their qualifications and, and obviously an opportunity for the APSI to be, be doing something in the summertime, which is, yeah. which is generally a little bit more of a, like any ski resort or ski school, it's, it's a dead time of the year, the summertime. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. All right. Well, I just want to thank you for uh, taking some time to to chat with chat with us, and um, really enjoyed it. And I hope some people got some, you know, good little ideas or some inspiration. Unfortunately, the North American Northern Hemisphere season's coming to an end, so they'll have to wait, or they'll have to come down and join us in Australia. Yeah, um, that's always a good opportunity. Yeah, it? exactly, exactly. So maybe there's some people who might want to last minute do that. But um, otherwise, Andy, I look forward to seeing you um, just shortly uh, down in Jindabyne for the start of our, our Aussie winter. That'd be great. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me along, Tom. Thanks, Andy. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.